1: Just like that, the final hour is here for the Wednesday edition of OutKick 360. Glad you're with us on the OutKick Network. Hope you'll subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can stream the show live at OutKick.com. Clay Travis will be with us in 20 minutes. We'll discuss Lamar Jackson collusion and much more. Chad, the details surrounding the incident at Joe Mixon's residence there are details, but they're so vague that I'm very confused by them. So, this happened late night, where, according to reports, there were uh, police responded to a call of shots fired Monday night in Anderson Township, Ohio. Chad loves the township. Townships. So, Hamlets, love those too. Police reportedly entered Bengals running back Joe Mixon's home, his residence. No one left arrested no one was taken out of the home and arrested they did reveal in a statement a search warrant was executed at the residence and there was a juvenile a kid that was treated for non-life-threatening injuries at a hospital and we knew initially based on what was getting out on social media that there were people playing with nerf guns and then a real gun was fired from inside the home they can't determine who fired the gun But Nerf guns were played with outside the home so that in the home, it was mistaken for a real gun. Again, like, I I can't piece everything together here other than Joe Mixon's home is where police responded to. And, I mean, the fact that we're unclear who fired the gun, okay. But keep in mind, like, how do you jump ahead to the, f- the point where you're playing with nerf guns and then you think oh this is a real gun let me fire a shot i don't know how you get to that point it's a very quick trigger if that's the case but also like if you think it's a real, you're firing you're still firing the first shot even if you think it's a gun because you would know it's not a gun unless a shot was fired and it wasn't until a shot was fired from inside the home that's what's confusing about this it's all very confusing. Th-
2: this story, I don't even know how to comment on it because I don't know that we know everything yet. Now, I will say, having been an expert in Orbeez yeah. guns, uh, that's, yes, uh, in my neighborhood, I had a note of this it, when, I, when I saw it it nerf, sounds I'm like, like it. okay, is it a Nerf gun that doesn't make sound, or was it what I played for you guys from someone's ring door camera okay. that sounded, you know, like it was Fallujah in my neighborhood with kids firing these guns off. The Orbeez guns left and right. So uh, this I don't think I think someone that's a gun owner should know that's not a real gun. If you heard that, right, and you shouldn't just fire. I guess into the street if you heard it. But I hear Nerf gun. I don't know. Are we talking about a real
1: Nerf gun? Or are we talking about one of these Orbeez guns that I, I mentioned? It's a weird story. It's a weird story. But what's not being tied into it is the one I brought up yesterday. Uh, involving Joe Mixon in Cincinnati, in the area, in Ohio, where charges were dropped based on him brandishing a gun or showing off a gun or something. Uh, And until they have more information, the district attorney said to drop the charges uh, as they continue to investigate the story. Um, This ties into Mixon because of, of course, the NFL personal conduct policy and knowing what happened at Oklahoma, which still follows him. So it's something to follow. It's it's weird, but at the same time, it's in a line of incidents. And so, you know, gun fired. You also have the the audio recording through TMZ where the quote is, witnessed several males and females running at this location, couldn't get a description. One of them pulled out a gun, ran towards the back of the building. Several shots were heard. A male with a gun was seen running, getting into a Jeep. He's currently on the scene. Two other vehicles are involved. They fled at a high rate of speed. This is all dispatch that's just being recorded. Very, very odd. And no one seems to know exactly what happened yet. And again, no one was arrested. So there it is. We'll, we'll, we'll have to wait. We'll see what the NFL does. We we'll still, we'll still have wait, to by wait the way. For more details we still this. wait on the details of everything that was caught on camera with Alvin Kamara and yeah, the fact that, that he's said it was That's one soon. that
2: they could probably act sooner rather than later based
1: on what's on camera. Chad? First report from Mike Silver in Indianapolis, who is well connected, especially at events like this, where the NFL has a, a massive gathering. And you have all the GMs, all the scouts, everyone's out there. Michael Silver has been covering the league for years. And he puts out this report that the Titans are shopping Derrick Henry. He doesn't name the source, but he does say it was a general manager who told him. Then you have Jonathan Jones of CBS saying, no, the Titans are not shopping Derrick Henry. This is where we find out where the Titans are in a rebuild versus a retool, quote-unquote. Because right now, they're not a good roster. They're not a playoff roster. I can certainly say they're not in the AFC South without Tannehill and Henry based on what's available currently and the roster they currently have. Free agency is about to start. I'd say all options are open. And Henry, who has been the former NFL rushing champ and has rushed for 2,000 yards, has a couple of solid years left. I I can say that firmly. I can also say, could this be the Titans wanting to trade Henry now to get something in return a year early before it's a year too late? I don't know, though, Chad, the return on Henry Based on his current salary, which is over 10 million, the Titans would only end up saving about six million dollars against the cap by moving him. It's not the Tannehill deal where they can save eighteen. And there's a very specific group of teams that would invest in a running back like Henry. Meaning that's how we're run first offense. Six or seven teams, I think, would say that. So you've already whittled this down, and now you've got to also say, okay, does it make sense? And what's the return? It's not a first or second round pick. Maybe not even a third round pick based on where he is in his career and the number of carries he's had over the last five seasons. Do you believe the report? Do you think the Titans are shopping him? And if so, what's the signal?
2: I believe the report, first off. Mike Silver doesn't get many of these wrong. We've seen him at multiple events. This is Mike Silver's event. He will be out... uh, Late into the night, right. with uh, with GMs and people around the league, he know he has sources. He knows he's talking to different GMs. And when I see the counter report by anyone that comes back after this, we've talked about the, the the serve volley of reporting. Yeah, well, Mike Silver's getting this from other organizations, other GMs out there. So if someone goes to the Titans, if it's Rand Carthon or anyone else, and says, "Hey, are you actively shopping?" Derrick Henry, what do you think they're going to say? No, we're not actively shopping Derrick Henry. I-, I believe Mike Silver's report. It's his report. He's getting it from other sides of this. I believe his report. Now, do I think the Titans absolutely want Derrick Henry gone and want to trade him? You're only saving $6 million on the cap. doesn't make sense financially to really want that to happen that badly. That's right. But if Derrick Henry is an integral part in a trade for the quarterback that you want of the future, that's how you deal Derrick Henry. Well, if you're trading up to one, you mentioned the, the Bears being a run first team, right, Hutton? Mm-hmm. If you're trading up to one or you're trading with someone else and you, you feel like we have zeroed in on this guy being our franchise quarterback, and this team, they want Derrick Henry in that deal, then you make that deal if you're the Titans. If not, you're not saving enough on the salary cap. To get and you're not going to get enough in return because he's going to be part of a big package to move up. Well, but if you're going to move up to number one, let's say Derek Henry's only a part of a bigger
1: package to move up to number well, one. Chicago is a good a good example that you use because they have the cap space. They have 99 million dollars. They're number one in the league by a large margin. The team would have to be willing to pay him what he's owed. Plus, you're I mean, if you're trading for him, you're going to extend that contract, right? You'd extend the contract, and you'd also... The Titans would be eating $10.1 million against the cap, and it would only be saving six. So it's a... Uh, I think they're... We're, I, I still think he's playing for the Titans this year based on the scenario of what's to gain versus what they get in return. And what's the value of Henry if you're moving up to number one overall? I don't know what you're throwing in there. That's... I mean, you're, 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 you're trading away a player that has one or two, three years left of solid play, and I'm being generous with that just based on the average lifespan of an NFL running back. And you can also, especially this year, the team that's identity has been run is trading away Derrick Henry. They would be doing that because the running back class this year is really deep and you can find the next guy. So... As another team, I'm looking at it from the opposite angle. I don't know the true value of what he would bring on the market now. And I think that's all the Titans were doing, is gauging where Henry is to other teams. Because I think he's more valuable in Nashville than he is to any other organization. Totally agree. And look,
2: if you trade Derrick Henry for anything other than as a package to trade up to number one and draft your quarterback, it's going to be seen as the Titans are just tanking
3: They're they're completely in rebuild
2: mode. They're not serious about winning this year, and I understand that. I'll also say, if you trade Derrick Henry and what you're going to have to give up to go number one, you are rebuilding. I'm not saying you're tanking because you got the number one pick. You're right. So you're not tanking for a number one overall pick in a quarterback. You're you're now rebuilding
1: around that player.
2: Yes. You have traded up to get your franchise quarterback at that point. So what happens when you get a top pick at quarterback? You're rebuilding, typically. Right. If you're the number one overall pick, that's what the Titans – would be electing to do. And I'm not saying that's the wrong choice right now because I think they are barely hanging they, on to any semblance <laughs> of being competitive at the top of the NFL. And you've got to be really optimistic if you're the Titans or a Titans fan to try to say that this is a team that could compete for a Super Bowl next year. Well, Because right now, as it's
1: constructed, it's not. They would be trading away a player that gets a, a 45% of the touches on offense from last year. Yeah. And they'd be trading away a player that, in terms of yardage, is probably upwards of 40 forty-ish percent yardage-wise. I mean, that's their offense. So if they, and we still don't know about Tannehill either. I think every option's on the table for them. Though, I think the, the Titans are a wild card team for a quarterback in the first round. They could be at eleven and take one.
2: Hey, did the did that report from Phil Yates? Did it include the Titans not being interested in Lamar Jackson? No, it was just an example. It did not. It did not. Maybe not everyone is completely out on Lamar Jackson. Maybe the Titans would be arrested. So enough. this is a bigger topic. That's just an
1: example of they are open for business. But uh, how, how open, though? Because they, this is, so the NFL salary cap is set to where, and I'm going to have a bigger topic on this later. It's set to where every team is supposed to feel like they have the same amount of opportunity, right? The, the old eight and eight model. Well, that's true until it comes to the escrow and the money that you have to put aside for the money that's guaranteed to a player. And there is really where we see the owners with the have and the have-nots. You've got Dallas is a good example. Uh, Kroenke in Los Angeles. There are other owners who have plenty of cash on hand. If you sign a quarterback, for instance, uh, Watson uh, Haslam, the guaranteed money that's going to be paid out over the duration of the contract has to be set aside, in escrow, for that player, cash on hand. Not every owner can do that. That's why we had we've had several guests, including Armando. We brought this up on the show too. Mike Brown, in Cincinnati for Burrow, can they put that money aside? Do they have that cash on hand? Chad mentions here in Nashville. Amy Adams Strunk's putting up half a billion on the new stadium that's about to be approved and they're about to break ground on, how much cash on hand do they have to set aside for a franchise quarterback? In this scenario, it would be Lamar Jackson. I think that dwindles the amount of owners that are truly in on the bargaining and the negotiation for fully guaranteed money because of that rule. You've got to put all the cash aside that you have and guarantee that it's there. You can't just promise it like the Florida Gators and then say it's not there to your quarterback and Rashada. It doesn't work that way. It's not a NIL no. in the NFL. That's no, for and sure. And that's how it should be. I mean, if you're signing a contract, you want assurances that it's there for you when it's time for you to get paid. Some breaking news, Hutton, during this segment.
2: Donna D'Atata, who is a writer for the Post Standard in Syracuse, okay. tweets out, Jim Beheim is no longer Syracuse's basketball coach. Adrian Autry is. The Beheim era, after 47 years, is over at Syracuse. Adrian, who's a terrific guy, and a coach Syracuse players respect gets his shot. 51 years old is Adrian Autry. I looked at this account because I did not know Donna or her work. Over 10,000 followers,
1: verified. Writer for the post-standard Syracuse.com AP voter. And this is Beheim being told by the university he's not coming back. Because at the last the last big story we were discussing him. He, well, insinu- he just said it's up to the university. Well, he, he insinuated he had every intention to, play, to continue to coach. And within what three or four weeks, he gives his impromptu, based on the circumstance, impromptu retirement speech at the end of the Syracuse game today. He yeah, played, um, played and coached there. It's
2: interesting. I need to read. So Syracuse also. Davy sent us this. Thank you, Davy. Syracuse men's basketball posted. Thank you, Coach Jim Beheim. The wording here is, is yes. important. Yep. A legendary coaching tenure that turned this program into a perennial national power comes to a close after forty seven years. That's all they said. Didn't say retire. Uh, Action Network then tweeted Syracuse head coach Jim Beheim has retired. Associate head coach Adrian Autry will become the new coach. I now need to read Syracuse's official statement to say if they use the word that he
1: retired in the statement. Well Beheim said today I gave my it's retirement U- speech last week and nobody picked but up. But he said on it's it. up to the university now. I mean that that's the point of our conversation now. We it's very vague and the wording matters here uh Beheim was asked if this meant he's retiring that's up to the university follow-up question I gave my retirement speech on the court last Saturday and I yeah, gave this it to is, the press conference afterwards this is not a retirement
2: today this is from Syracuse today as his 47th season coaching his alma mater comes to an end so too does his storied career at Syracuse University associate head coach Adrian Autry Syracuse grad 94 one of Beheim's former players and longtime assistants has been named the program's next head coach I also do not see any statements from Jim Boeheim in this release.
1: Over a 1,000 games he's won at the university. Again, details matter. The lack of details matter in this. More to come for sure. Uh, Clay Travis, more to come on the show. Clay joins us next. A lot to get into. We'll dive into Lamar Jackson, the collusion among owners. If it's there, if it's not, it's there. And... What the NFLPA could do about it. Clay joins us next in Outkick 360.
3: What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well.
1: A lot to hit with Clay Travis. Welcome back. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Hutton Withrow with you. 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. And we say hello to the Outkick founder. Clay, what's up, man? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Hey, doing great. Uh, There's a lot of discussion about if it is or is not collusion with Lamar Jackson getting the non-exclusive franchise tag and then all these teams immediately jumping out and saying, we're not interested, we're not interested in talking to Lamar and giving up two first-round picks. A year after, we saw Deshaun Watson uh, in exchange for that guaranteed money. Three first-round picks from Cleveland, plus second- and third-rounders, multiple- to Houston in exchange, but yet there's not one team that's willing to jump out there and talk with Lamar Jackson about potentially joining their team as a franchise quarterback. First, we never get to this point with quarterbacks who are good. And second, yes, it's absolutely collusion.
0: Um, So I I have a a take on this. Um, I I think... First of all, that both Lamar Jackson and the NFL are behaving—sorry, uh, the Ravens are behaving—in an utterly rational fashion. By which I mean this: Lamar Jackson thinks that he deserves the same kind of contract that Deshaun Watson got, uh, the same kind of contract that Kyler Murray got, uh, because he thinks he's better than both those guys. And uh, and I don't begrudge that. By the way, the three highest-paid guaranteed money contracts right now, <laughs> in order, uh, are Deshaun Watson. Um, are uh, uh, Kyler Murray and also Russell Wilson. And then Aaron Rodgers is in the fourth slot there uh, for guaranteed money. Now, a lot of times teams announce contracts that are massive dollar figures, but the dollars are not all guaranteed, right? So presumably, and I haven't looked at the specifics of Patrick Mahomes, for example, he got a $450 million contract, but a lot of that money was not guaranteed evidently. Okay, so... um, I think that the Ravens believe they have offered Lamar Jackson a contract that is bigger or more substantial than what, any, what he could get anywhere else. And I think that the failure of Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, and Russell Wilson, despite these massive guaranteed contracts, has teams taking pause. And so I actually don't think it's collusion. I don't think it's race uh, on collusion. If it were collusion, that's a crime. So there's no way that 31, in my opinion, NFL teams will all say, hey, we're not going to pay Lamar Jackson what he's worth uh, because we want the Baltimore Ravens to get a deal. Um, If they thought they could get a great deal on a quarterback, every NFL team would do that. Um, They may not want to give up two first-round picks and have to guarantee $40 million and also still have the Ravens able to match that dollar figure. I also don't think it's racism. Um, you know, the three highest paid quarterbacks guaranteed money-wise of all time are all black. Uh, I think there is nervousness about Lamar Jackson's ability to stay healthy. Uh, I think there are questions about whether he can be a really good quarterback for the next decade or so. Uh, and I understand why he is upset. I also understand why other teams don't want to spend more. And what I would always say is, um, You know, I've walked away from jobs because they didn't value me as much as I thought they should have. You guys know this. Um, I walked away from 1045, the zone where we used to work back in the day, because they offered me a $20 a day raise. Um, you know, I could have gotten a job at McDonald's making more money than they <laughs> than they were paying me to host with radio Ron and I took in that terms deal. of deal <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: we snatched that deal up. Uh, we're like, oh so, this is great money."
0: <laughs> so look, I understand both the the business side and the labor side on this situation because I've run companies and signed people to contracts, and because I've been. Uh, an employee who be- believes that he deserves more than what the company was offering. Uh, so I think that's really what we got here. And uh, unless something's changed in the last couple of hours, I haven't been on my phone. Nothing. Uh, I, I, I think that there are a lot of teams out there that are saying, Hey, we don't necessarily think the offer that's on the table to Lamar Jackson is a bad one. And we're not willing to pay him substantially more. And I'll close with this uh, in terms of this answer to the question. How many teams, if Patrick Mahomes had a one-year, $31 million uh, uh, um, franchise tag on him, would make an offer and give up two first-round picks to get a deal done with Patrick Mahomes? Everyone's out there for it. Right? Every team that could. 31 NFL teams would do it. So uh, I I think this is a sign that uh, Lamar Jackson is getting an early read that his idea of what he's worth is not necessarily reflected in the larger marketplace um, in a way that he thought it would be.
1: I think it's a big moment for the NFL PA, though, because this is is where maybe he needs the agent now more than ever, because it's the weakest PA of the major sports based on money allocated to the player and the player power and the guaranteed money involved there, and we've seen it now happen with Haslam and, and Watson. And it's not that they're not, the teams aren't giving the guaranteed money, but what's been reported, all we know is that the offer was around what Watson received, $250 million over five years, but only 68% of that number was fully guaranteed. And there's not one team, and I'm looking at the list of teams that are reportedly not interested. Falcons, Panthers, Commanders, Dolphins. There's not one team that wants to at least say, yeah, we're interested in negotiating not in signing him to a fully guaranteed deal. That's where I come down on it is for a league and teams that say we turn over every rock. For within an hour, 2 hours after the franchise tag deadline for all of these reporters to say this team's out, this team's out, this team's out. Are you kidding me? We don't see the 26-year-old franchise guy former MVP on the market ever. And one's available and everyone's saying no. Yeah, I look, I, I don't buy into the idea that these teams
0: would all say no um, unless they were convinced that it wasn't a great asset for their team. And again, I think this is where having to give up two first-round picks factors in. Um, I, I think that what the market is, look, Lamar Jackson doesn't have to play, right? He's got a couple of options so far as I see it here. He can some way negotiate with the Ravens, like we saw happen with Kirk Cousins, right? Yeah. Kirk Cousins, I believe, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, played back to back one year uh, franchise tenders. Is that right? Yes. And then became an unrestricted free agent. If I am advising Lamar Jackson, I'm telling him, hey, the pathway to getting the payday that you believe you deserve is to figure out a path to pull a Kirk Cousins where you say, okay, if nobody's going to trade for me and you guys are franchise tagging me, I'll play for 31 million this year. And then maybe I get franchise tagged again and I have to pay. I, I think there's like a big bump up. Like he would have to get like 60 million or something. I don't know what the number is, but it's like prohibitive. Um, and then you'll get your payday. Uh, I'll also look, I mean, Lamar Jackson can say, okay, I think I'm being so undervalued. I'm not going to play at all. And then that really puts the onus on the Ravens, right? Um, Because we've seen guys sit out before under the franchise tag and decide that they're not going to play. But look, I don't begrudge Lamar Jackson's position because I understand it. He's saying, I'm better than Deshaun Watson. And unlike Deshaun Watson, I haven't been sitting out for a year and a half refusing to play. And he's also saying, I'm better than Kyler Murray. And he probably thinks right now he's better than Russell Wilson. I'm sure Lamar Jackson thinks he's the best quarterback in the NFL. And he should from that perspective, because that's how athletes perform on an elite level. But I just, I I don't see uh, the likelihood that teams are colluding against him. I think there's just, look, the NFL is a copycat league. And I think a lot of teams are looking around and saying, boy, I'm glad we don't have that Deshaun Watson contract on the books. I'm glad we don't have the Russell Wilson contract on the books. I'm glad we don't have the Kyler Murray contract on the books. If all three of those guys had panned out and they would made the playoffs and they've been in the final four, there might be NFL teams saying, hey, this is the route to go win. Yeah. None of those guys made the playoffs. None of them paid, played particularly well. And I think as a result, there's apprehension about essentially handcuffing your team if you do a bad deal with the quarterback.
2: Clay, we talked about it earlier, but this Kevin Blackstone uh, op-ed about his differences with Ron DeSantis and his, his opinion, or one of something that he did with uh, education in the state of Florida, and now that means that the ML, MLB should pull spring training out of Florida. I hate when something that is a great unifying force like sports is used to divide or weaponize to say, I disagree with X. So my favorite sport of the sport I cover should remove teams or remove events from that state because I disagree with it. What do you make of this latest uh, this latest piece?
0: Yeah, look, I think this is the world that the pro sports leagues have created. Uh, when Adam Silver pulled the All Star Game in Charlotte out of uh, out of Charlotte because of a transgender bathroom bill, and most in the media said, "Yay, good for you." Um, and then when Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game out of Atlanta they over the Georgia voting bill, which was a totally manufactured BS reason that yeah. has now been proven to be laughably absurd, uh, now that we've had the twenty twenty two election that happened after the twenty twenty law. Um uh I-, I think that this is the precedent that is set that uh sports media and or athletes or people involved in sports believe that they can bully sports leagues into taking stands that comport with their politics. And my argument has been, um, I, you know, I, I think it's absurd to make a decision about an athletic yeah. event based on something political in the state. Um, and I think, unfortunately, the NBA and Major League Baseball have both set the example that they can be bullied and that they're willing to do this. And so it doesn't surprise me that sports writers try to uh, make those leagues comport with their own individual
1: political beliefs. And with that in mind, I mean, the fact that this comes after Kendrick Perkins is going after the same NBA media that he's claiming is racist for voting on the MVP when we know the NBA media has repeated the tone of the NBA for years now. Uh, What does that say for the... I, I said this yesterday, Clay. The top story, the only reason we mentioned the NBA yesterday was for Kendrick Perkins on first take with J.J. Reddick. If not for that, the NBA is not mentioned on our show. And it's a sad state when they're attacking themselves. Yeah, look, um, I I think what J.J. Reddick did was an important message
0: because it's the first time I can remember somebody going on ESPN and actually saying, hey, a racial controversy argument is total bs um and you almost never see this certainly you never see it from a white guy because everybody's terrified of being called racist and jj reddick just went out and basically said kendrick perkins your argument is crap and trying to argue that the MV- NBA mvp voters are racist is patently absurd uh and i'm paraphrasing obviously his right. argument and Kendrick Perkins didn't have a Kendrick Perkins did not have a good answer, and uh, I, I think it's fair to say that uh, many times ideas like these are allowed to take root. I haven't watched ESPN today, but I'm sure there are the usual ESPN suspects who went on and said Lamar Jackson's not getting paid more because of racism against black quarterbacks, and you legitimately can just say, well, the three highest paid guaranteed contracts in NFL history right now are all going to black quarterbacks, that directly contravenes your argument. And again, I use the Patrick Mahomes example. Every NFL team would do whatever it took to sign Patrick Mahomes if they could. The narrative you may want to believe is true is not actually true based on the facts. And that's basically what J.J. Reddick said. And I think the reason it resonated to such an extent, is because the vast majority of American sports fans are aware of this ESPN disease. It's one thing to argue, hey, I don't think X player deserves the MVP, right? That's a debate. That happens every year. And some people make an argument for one guy. Somebody will make an argument for another guy. You can cite a variety of different data. But saying, oh, the reason why Jokic is going to get the MVP this year is because the NBA MVP r- voters are racist. I mean, almost all of the MVPs over the last 30 years are black. So you're arguing that they weren't racist when they gave the award to black players, but now they are racist when they give it to white players. Um, and it's just, it's a fundamentally broken, not factually supportable argument. And there are a lot of these that happen and have happened over the last decade plus. This is one of the first times I've ever seen a substantial pushback, and I think that's why it resonated to such an extent.
2: Yeah, and on Q earlier today, Ryan Clark tweeted something out like, uh, we actually live in a world now where Daniel Jones makes more money than Lamar Jackson. <laughs> and I'm thinking, here <laughs> we go. And uh, you're right, well, Clyde. Look, uh, mean, that's the news cycle, right? To
0: your point about Daniel Jones, go back to the draft. Everybody was furious in the Ryan Clark camp. I bet you could go back and find it. If I remember correctly, that Daniel Jones was drafted before Dwayne Haskins.
1: Yes, right, yeah. because he's the white quarterback. But not oh, before Kyler so Murray. Dwayne not Haskins. before Kyler Murray, though. Yeah, that the same draft that Kyler yeah, Murray. It was one one yeah, it was the one in Nashville.
0: It was the draft in Nashville. Same draft. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you guys are right. I mean, I remember watching that. Almost immediately, Twitter was upset that Daniel Jones would go before Dwayne Haskins, and I mean by Twitter, I mean the usual woke suspects who can't ever seem to look past race and so make race-based arguments all the time, even when there's nothing that supports them. And then they'll say something like Kendrick Perkins did. Well, this is what guys are saying behind the scenes, right? So I say, well, people make behind the scenes arguments that are dumb all the time. That doesn't mean you have to make them publicly, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like my argument could be, uh, behind the scenes, I could be like, Hey, I believe in UFOs. And Oh, by the way, I do. But if I then came out and, uh, and made like a super aura, like, like I said, and guess what? I think LeBron James is an alien behind the scenes. People are saying that because he's so freakishly talented. We don't think he's from earth. And I went out and I said that publicly by me saying, Oh, behind the scenes, people are saying that doesn't mean that I'm not responsible for the argument that I put out there in, uh, in broad daylight. Uh, that is incredibly stupid and not supported by the data, right? So um, just because you feel something, and this is maybe the essence of it, just because you emotionally have this reaction doesn't mean it's valid. Like, we've created this world where if I feel something, that means it's important for me to say it, even if there's nothing that supports it from a factual basis. It's like, no, that means that your feeling oftentimes is not supported by data, And there are no facts to underlie or support it as a foundational level. That doesn't mean you get to just go out and say it. And then your response is, well, I felt it. It feels right to me. I don't care. Support your argument with actual facts. And there aren't good ones to support the Kendrick Perkins argument or the Lamar Jackson, you know, is not being treated fairly because of his race argument.
2: Clan, I'll make a habit of reading transcripts on air, but I, I have to do this because it just happened recently
0: with Jim Bates. And by the way, hold on hold on hold on one second. Let me go back to the Daniel Jones thing. We live in a world where Daniel Jones makes I bet the Ravens would have given
1: oh, Lamar they, Jackson the Daniel Jones deal. They have offered him right? according to reports, they've offered him an average of fifty million per season, which would be ten million more than Daniel Jones. More than Daniel Jones. Yeah, which
0: would be yeah, $50 million a year, if that's true, would be a $200 million deal, which would mean Lamar Jackson, if, uh, if Ryan Clark were being honest, Lamar Jackson has turned down a deal that would have paid him $50 million or $60 million more than what is being made by Daniel Jones right now. And what, so, they, what they're you know, leaving out talking
1: about- in the argument, Clay, Geno Smith next season in 2023 is going to get $52 million based on what Seattle just gave him. Man, I'd like to sign up for that kind of racism. <laughs> I mean, they they leave out the the facts of it instead of just comparing two. They should compare Geno to now, them. No, look.
0: I mean, I think the easy easy ar- uh, argument is the three players with the most guaranteed money in quarterback history in the NFL right now are all black. If the NFL was racist, how does that happen?
2: That's a good point. So, Clay Jim Beheim is out. argument. to to
0: come back against. Yes.
2: Yeah. Jim Beheim's out at Syracuse, and it was as awkward as you would expect. Uh, This from the press conference after their loss today to Wake Forest. Question. Are you saying right now that you're going to retire? Beheim? This is up to the university. Question. Do you want to come back? Beheim? I didn't say that. Question. So what are you saying? You're not saying you're retiring? Beheim? I just said it. I don't know. Question. So you don't know? Beheim? I said this is up to the university. Apparently it was, Clay, and uh, (laughs) minutes after this, they've already announced Adrian Autry will be the successor, and Jim Beheim is out after 47 years at Syracuse. Wow. What do you make of this awkward departure for Jim Beheim?
0: I don't know what his contract situation is, but that sounds like the answer you give if you're trying to make it clear that you were fired, you didn't resign, because you want to get paid out all the money that's owed to you. Yeah. Right? I don't know what, you know, like... That, that sounds like something, if I were, you know, legally looking at this, if you decide to retire, you are not necessarily um, paid out on your full, full contract, right? Um, necessarily. School might decide to do it. I don't know what your contract says specifically. If you are fired, usually as long as you're not being fired again for cause, then you would be entitled to the remainder of your contract.
1: Tom Izzo's now
0: so the that, longest uh, when, I, coach. when I hear yeah. that transcript. yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm when I hear it. that transcript, that sounds like a legal dispute where semantically he doesn't want to say, "Hey, I'm retiring or resigning because it makes it sound like he's waking walking away from however many years of money left on his contract he has, and that his lawyer is going to demand payment for whatever the three or four years. And I'm, i I don't know his contract terms, but that sounds like a legal dispute in the way that he's answering that question.
1: He signed an extension in 2019. That's the first thing that pops up in a search. But yeah, I'm sure he had years left. And I mean, at this point, I mean, he's going on 50 years at the university. It was a lifetime contract. Is how you would view it, right? He spent his entire
2: adult life, starting in 1962 as a player at Syracuse. He never left. He went to grad school there. He was an assistant there. He became head coach in 1976 at Syracuse and has stayed the entire time.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And, you know, the... Mike Shashevsky's of the world who decide, hey, I mean, I'm going to leave on my own terms, are very, very rare, even for elite level coaches. And I don't know how many times did Jim Beheim? How many times has Jim Beheim been to the Final Four since he won the national title with Carmelo Anthony?
2: He's got the one national championship. Um, Yeah, with Final Fours. I mean, we made the national championship game against Kentucky in '97 or or no '96. Um, I can't think of many other times since then.
0: So my point on it is like, nobody ever knows when your apex is, um, you know, the ride off into the sunset, John Elway, Peyton Manning, Mike Krzyzewski style departures are very, very rare. Jordan. Uh, although, you know, I just kind of pretend the Wizards years didn't, didn't happen. So that's not a perfect uh, analogy, but to have, you know, an apex championship, as one of the final or the final moment in most people's memory for you is very rare, but my sense is most of Jim Beheim's career since winning that national championship and what would have been like what, 2003 ish that they, that Carmelo won it. Yep. Yep. um, 2013,
2: 2016 clay. Those are their last two trips, the final four after 2003. So he went to the final four.
0: Yeah. He went to the final four, two more times. So that's, that's still pretty impressive. Um, but you know, in my mind, his career was at the apex 20 years ago when he won the title. Yeah. Um, and uh, he certainly, I think since 2017, uh, the numbers on Syracuse, I think he's lost like 17 games every year since 2017 or something like that. He certainly has not closed in the final five or six years of his career on a, uh, on a tear.
1: Clay Travis joins us each week at this time. Clay, thanks so much, man. And we'll, we'll catch you at the SEC tournament. All right, appreciate y'all. Thanks a lot. Yep. Clay Travis each Wednesday with us here on the show. Chad coming up. A woman couldn't find her husband's body. And it wasn't because she was I don't I, I don't presume she was hiding the incident. She just couldn't find him based on all of the stuff in her home. How much stuff we'll tell you. Next and I'll kick three sixty. I admit, Chad, there are times when I think I hoard a lot of stuff, like keepsakes, credentials, whatever. I found out recently. You don't. I don't need a lot of stuff. It's not a problem for you. Period. Like, stop collecting things. The Material things are really not that valuable whenever you start to really analyze what you have or don't have. But in Madison, Cali, Illinois, an autopsy released last week explains what happened to a Troy, Illinois man. Was found dead in his home, months, months after reported missing. Um, a guy named Richard, <laughs> often of himself, the often, him, yeah, sorry, he I didn't mean to laugh at the offing himself. Just, he himself. I just felt like Richard would be a hoarder. And in April of 2022, his wife reported him missing. His car was still in the driveway, probably a Pontiac Sunfire, still in the driveway. And she said, hey, I've spoke, I have spoke with him a day before, I can't find him. It took until December of the same year, December of last year, from April to December, until she went through a closet and found him. <laughs> People reported, like, there were multiple, multiple professionals that went out, a Plumber went out there and reported a bad odor, and they assumed it's because of this hoarder. She's living in filth. That's the problem with the smell. That's how much stuff she had to where it covered up a dead body in the home. I'm very skeptical of this story. I don't think you need anyone to be really looked in that a, hard. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know if you were... You did he could. fall into a ball pit when he killed himself? She she found him in a closet. I don't know if you could... I, I think the excuse from them would be, we can't, like... We can't get swim. Get the closet. Th- we, you, you can't move in this place. How did he get to the closet? I don't know. I mean... Look, um...
2: Our producer Davey, like we normally end on a you know like a high note, like a feel good story. Right. This really brings into question the darkness of his sense of humor that he thought this was going to be a lighthearted story to end on today. Like, hey guys, let's send you into your Wednesday evening with this <laughs> this feel good story from Troy, Illinois.
1: We're gonna go to Richard's house. Oh, by the way, not his house. She wasn't even really looking for him in December. She was looking for her Christmas decorations <laughs> and found him. I mean, I just. Don't oh. I don't get it. I don't either. But again, like it, it was ruled a suicide. I mean, chances are she did it. I mean, this sounds like a Dateline NBC episode to me. Davey, you agree?
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to the episode This com- oh, yeah. when this Pete comes Morrison's out. Morrison's
1: knocking on that door.
3: I just, I guess Chad, like maybe he thought this is a good spot in the house. Like uh, this, this is my happy place. I don't know how he got all the way back back there in this corner, but i uh, I just—I don't know if you've ever watched Hoarders before. Uh, I oh, can't remember so which sad. network. It, it, it is sad, and the fact that these people don't realize like how bad it gets. But I just—I'm amazed at the story. Like I, I've seen it across multiple like news outlets at this point. This is just a, a fascinating story of the human mind how you can live in such filth, and then it gets to the point where the smell is so bad in your home. You're used to it. You can't even tell that there's a dead body and a corpse has been rotting in there for several months. Yeah, you've got problems.
1: If Again, it, not light,
3: true. lighthearted, but although, interesting. All, although all they were
1: saying like, "Oh, the body was mummified, so there wasn't any smell at the you know by December Yuletide cheer." I'm just around. searching
2: desperately for something
1: that we can end on that will make people smile. <laughs> Chad, what, story. you know what makes people smile? Winds. It's, it's the, an interesting story.
2: I'm not, I'm not complaining about the story. I'm just saying the, I, I think it really gets into the mind of Davy that I think, I think Davey finds this funny. I think he's not letting I find, on. I do find this one funny. I don't funny. think he's finding it as funny as he's letting on. I think he finds it funnier than that. So are you
1: like Vince McMahon? you got to end with the, uh, the, baby, the baby face winning at the end so everyone goes home happy?
2: Yes. Hutton, let me DDT you right now and, and end this. Actually, you're the baby
1: face. DDT it, me, quickly. Is everyone smiling based on tonight's matchups me. in the SEC tournament? Choke slamming. We've we'll got to wait till tomorrow for that? Uh, tomorrow there'll be some better matchups. Right. Join us tomorrow and be happy. Tonight could be competitive, though. We'll make you happy. Tomorrow, 3 o'clock what Eastern. A great way to 2 o'clock show. Central. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. And so I thank, I thank all of you. And I am, because you
0: are.